Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined by the Sunday Mail's Scott McDermott. Today on Record Rangers, we look at the potential Rangers signing of Alan McGregor and ask whether the 36-year-old goalie could make a second spell work. Scott Arfield is said to be on the verge of a Bosman deal as Mark Allen gets his ducks in a row for next season. But is he right to be making big money signings without a manager in place? Ticket allocations, Rangers lash out at Hibs as the Easter Road Club cut into the amount of Rangers fans able to attend the Powder Keg final SPFL fixture. And we preview Sunday's old form matchup and look at the ways Graham Murty can stop Celtic's title party. Scott, where else to start but signings, 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 signings. Alan McGregor. Uh, we have the story today in the Daily Record that the Hull City goalie, who has played 43 games so far this season, 36 years old, former Rangers legend, I think it's fair to say, given some of his performances on the run to the UEFA Cup final, is in pole position to sign a two-year deal, taking him to his 38th birthday with the club. Now, you have been, uh, well, I think it's fair to say fairly critical, but balanced about uh, your feelings on some of the flaws in Wes Fodringham's game, do you see this as a potential signing, because it's not done and dusted yet, of a Rangers number one or as a backup keeper? Um, I do see it as a potential signing. I understand why Rangers would be looking at Alan McGregor. Um, obviously, it came out a couple of weeks ago that Hearts were showing an interest in him with his contract at Hull coming to an end. Uh, and I'm not surprised that, that Rangers have, have taken a look at McGregor and are obviously considering a, no bringing him back for a second spell uh, I've not watched a lot of Alan McGregor this season, uh, I only see you know, little clips, highlights, by all accounts he's Hull's undisputed number one, I think Nigel Adkins said that for the off when he, when he took the job Am I right in saying um, that uh, Marshall's also Mar- there? Marshall's there as, a, as the understudy um, and Al- he was a big money signing for Hull Yeah, and Al- Alec, McLeish, Alec McLeish's first Scotland squad Obviously Craig Gordon was injured at the time But McLeish uh, made a big uh, a big thing of, of saying McGregor was coming back in And he would be the, he'd be the number the number one uh, Certainly while Gordon was out uh, And I think he played well for Scotland in those, those two friendlies So... I think Alan McGregor still got a lot to offer. I must admit, thirty-six for me isn't old for a for a keeper these days. Is he the same keeper he was? No, during that UEFA Cup final run when he was pulling off wonder saves, no, against Verder Bremen, the one that comes to mind. Probably not, but he's far more experienced. He doesn't played, need to be that keeper anymore. No, he's played in the Premier League. 
Um, in terms of West Fodringham, for me, McGregor's a better keeper than Fodringham. You, you won't be surprised to, to hear that. Uh, I think West Fodringham's probably better with the ball at his feet. No, he's probably technically better in terms of his distribution. But in terms of shot stopping and making big saves and big games, you would hang your hat on Alan McGregor every time over West Fodringham. And I think if Rangers can do this deal, if McGregor's keen and they can get it done, I think he would come in as uh, as number one right away at Rangers and then that would obviously leave leave Fodringham's future in there. The one thing about Alan McGregor that I always thought stood out was his ability to face down penalty kicks. Yeah. Uh, best penalty kick goalkeeper that I've seen in Scotland. And a lot of that comes down to personality. It's having that charisma, that... Uh, aura. Aura about you that you get into the head of the striker that you're facing. Uh, and I think you remember back to that penalty save against Georgius Samaras, which yeah. which literally won Rangers the title that yeah. season, because without that, it was done and dusted. And for me, that's the big thing about signing someone like Alan McGregor, even if he just comes in as a number two, which I agree with you, I think he will probably come in as number one, but even if it was as a number two, just having that person in the dressing room that knows what Rangers is all about, that's been there, that's done it, that's got that gallus attitude of, yeah. we are Rangers... This is how we approach things. This is how we go into games. This is how you have to be a Rangers player. He can get a hold of the Ross McCrory's in the dressing rooms, in the dressing room, and he won't accept lower standards. Yeah. Uh, for me, that is absolutely crucial. That's why I sort of championed the signing of Stephen Naismith, and it didn't uh, come off, obviously. And maybe some people would say, based on what he did at heart, what he's done so far at Hearts, means that that's probably uh, the right move from Rangers that they didn't pick him up. But I think Rangers do need that kind of person in the dressing room, and he'll deliver that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And also, Johnny, no, if you've played football any level, doesn't doesn't need to be top level, but <coughs> if you play football at any level. If you're a defender, or in fact, if you're any outfield player, it's a great feeling knowing that the guy, you know, between the sticks for you can, can pull you out a hole, and you no, know, when when you really need him to make a big save, he'll be there for us. I mean, Rangers obviously before McGregor had it with Andy Gorham, uh, arguably with Stefan Kloss as well, and McGregor kind of followed on, uh, followed that pattern on in terms of Rangers goalkeepers. Big personalities. I, yeah, and I, and I don't think... No, listen, Wes Fodringham has good attributes and hasn't been a bad goalkeeper for Rangers. I don't want to... I'm no having a, having a real pop at Fodringham. I just don't think he instils a lot of confidence in the in the back four or the outfield players in front of him. I think McGregor would do that. And I think the... No, by making big saves, you mentioned the Samaras penalty. I mean, that was when McGregor was was really at his, his peak for me. I mean, he was he was outstanding at that at that time for Rangers. And no, he might not be as good as that now at thirty six years of age. But you're right. He's got the he's got the personality. He's got the charisma. He's got he's got that aura about him, and he would no, he would cajole others around him. And I just think. For defenders, no, you mentioned McCrory. For young defenders coming through at Rangers or the guys already there, if McGregor was behind them, I just think no, that that defence would be a would be a safer place in terms of conceding goals. I had a look at some of the stats on Wisecout before we came on, just to see where he sits in terms of the Championship goalkeepers. 
And it's difficult because Hull City are in 18th. They've had a really poor season. They've let in 67 goals. Yeah. Um, so he's basically trending around that area, about 18th, 17th goalie in the league. But it's very difficult without watching them to then apply that to yeah. any criteria of how, how good he's doing. I think the, the best criteria you can say is, well, Marshall's a bloody good keeper. He was one of the best keepers in the Premiership a few yeah. years ago. Hull yeah. paid big money to get him in. Marshall was Scotland's number one not that long ago as well. Yeah, and he's keeping him out. So at 36, he must still have something. It must be said, though, that it was. I think he let in five goals in that incredible game at the weekend. He did, 5-5, uh, five, five, Bristol City, Hull City. But I think, I think there's been quotes from Nigel Adkins in the last couple of weeks just saying how... Uh, how desperately keen he was to keep McGregor for next season. So, well, he's an experienced manager. He clearly he's trying to kind of rebuild Hull City, if you like, and get them get them challenging again in that that championship. And no, he clearly sees McGregor as a big part of that, even at, even at thirty six. So that I think that tells you that they're still a they're still a very good goalkeeper. There. What about the way he left? Because. Uh, well, although I think that, that a lot of Rangers fans have moved on from that, certainly at the time there was a feeling that the way he left, uh, the way obviously Naismith and Whitaker left with a press conference, but yeah. a number of these players sort of left under a cloud. My sense is that that's kind of lifted, that general general feeling, because as people have learned more about what was going on in yeah. that period, what what's your recollection of how that panned out? Just similar to yourself, I mean, I, I don't remember the exact kind of circumstances of McGregor specifically leaving um, you're right maybe the Naismith and Whitaker one no, was a bit more um, no, that was more out in the open because they did hold a press conference that's obviously been held against them even even now when, when Rangers are playing Hearts or, Hearts or Hibs but you're right I think at that time Rangers fans just expected no, that Charles Green was going to take the club on and was going to make things better again, and they couldn't see a reason why players wouldn't want to wouldn't want to stick around for a couple of years just to get them back to the the top flight and everything would be rosy again. I think people now looking back realise no the chaos that was going on at that time. And if, you and wouldn't it, have wanted to put your career in the hands of Charles yeah, Green, exactly. And and at the time there was a lot of positive publicity about him handing out drinks at yeah, season yeah. ticket queues and all the rest of it but the reality was very different behind the scenes in terms of people's perception of this guy yeah well listen ultimately I mean you, you don't lose any admiration for, for guys like Lee Wallace who did hang around when, when he could have left no he showed terrific loyalty to the club and the supporters but knowing what we do now about how that club was being run I mean, if the players were getting even a, a tiny kind of insight into what was going to what was going to unfold in the next couple of years, could you really blame any of them when there was you no know, when there was big clubs in England and abroad looking to looking to take them? I th- I think you're right. I think as times get on, that that sense, um, you no, know, that sense of kind of anger for the for the supporters has lifted. I think there's a wee bit more understanding now. And I, listen, I think if if Alan McGregor um, walked through the door tomorrow, I don't think there would be too much opposition to it. Presser might be interesting if some of the stories start going down that route. Well, it'd be good just to, to listen to Alan McGregor speak because he does uh, he doesn't do many interviews. No, an interview is very very rare. Been in many a many a mix zone uh, for Scotland and Rangers over the years, and um, Alan no isn't one to isn't one to stop. 
too regularly. So it would be good would be good to hear his thoughts just on looking back at that time and, and what's what's happened in his career since then and, and what he might might go and achieve even now. Perhaps um that attitude towards the press is perhaps uh partially to do with the uh, the predilection for front page news. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. I think at that time, you no, know, when he was at his peak and his kinda his private life was kinda being played out in, in public as well and there was a lot of front page stories and I think that acted him uh, no end and I don't think he's I don't think he's forgot that no with certain certain media outlets and I think he just made a decision back then that he was gonna he was gonna kinda keep keep stum. And to be fair, it's not as if he, I don't think to be fair to McGregor, I don't think he singled out any newspaper or any uh, any organisation, he just decided he wasn't going to do any more any more media work. But you would like to think that you know, if Rangers make him one of their one of their kind of big summer signings that he would uh, he would come out and speak. Okay, well we'll move on to the other uh, transfer story that's doing the rounds, which is that of uh, Burnley midfielder Scott Arfield, who's said to be on the verge of a Bosman deal, uh, three or four year deal, depending on who you who you listen to. Established Premiership player, had three years down there, um, obviously Burnley came up, then were relegated, so he had that season and then he's had the last couple of years. Now he's not played much in the last six months because I think of a contract dispute essentially with Burnley, but you've got to imagine a player like this would have suitors, so this would be quite a coup for Rangers. It would, if Rangers can get Scott Arfield in at the end of the season it would be a, a fantastic signing, I mean... Let's make no bones about it. He's a, as you say, he's an established Premier League player. Um, has been for uh, for a couple of years now with, with Burnley, uh, despite uh, dipping out the Championship for a year. But can play in a number of positions. A real grafting midfield player with a touch of creativity about him as well. Also got an eye for goal for midfield as he's as he's shown even at that that level. Can so play on the left as well, is that right? Can Scott? play, can play on either side. Could play central midfield. Could play off the front if you wanted him to. I think Sean Dyche even said, eh, or someone, I think it was eh, John Hughes rather said in the, the paper yesterday that you could even play him at, at fullback if required. So, no, a real, eh, a real good player to have in your squad if you could get him. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if Rangers can pull this off. Clearly, there's interest there. We don't know for certain if it's a if it's a done deal or it's going to go through. I must admit, I'd be surprised if they if they get him, Johnny, just because. You know, if Scott Arfield was to leave Burnley tomorrow, I'm pretty certain there would be at least three or four Premier League clubs would be interested in taking him. No Premier League clubs granted in the bottom the bottom half. I think the clubs like Palace. Swansea, Stoke City, if they don't, if they don't get down, even the clubs that coming up for the championship, like a Cardiff or a Derby, for instance. I mean, I would think all of them, if they knew Scott Arfield was available for free, would be would be sniffing about him, and and let's be honest, could offer a lot more money in terms of wages, signing on fee, etc., than than Rangers could. Now, no, we're, we're led to believe the boys are Rangers. Grew up a Rangers fan, and that well, I've heard different. Uh, there's, there's different accounts flying well, around about that. Well, the, the feeling is that that he would he's somehow keen to get back up back up the road and, and would be up for for playing for Rangers. That might well be the case, but 
I mean, he's, I don't know Scott Arfield's family situation, but I mean, he's been in England for a number of years now. <coughs> it's never struck me, as I've interviewed him a couple of times, never struck me as a boy who appeared homesick in any way, uh, either at Burnley or at, or at Huddersfield before that. And he's also just recently... Mate, if you were living in Burnley, believe me, I used to go down there on business, you'd want to get up the road. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. And I, I live in Bathgate, so... <laughs> Uh, aye, maybe so. But listen, he's he's just uh, he's just agreed to play for Canada, um, Canada's national side, which I assume is going to involve a lot of travelling for friendlies and you know, Gold Cup games and World Cup qualifiers and stuff. So again, from the outside looking in, it doesn't strike me as a boy who who would be homesick or would, who would be desperate to get back to Scotland. I, I don't know that for certain. That's just my uh, my assumptions, I say, look, looking in. So I'd be surprised if Rangers can pull it off, but if they can, and that's one of their first kind of summer signings, not to do it this early as well, I think would be a real, uh, a real coup for them. Does the fact that there's rumours about this deal and also uh, a potential deal for James MacArthur, which for me is even more of a... Of a, would be even more of a coup because that is a guy that absolutely will have a big list of suitors in the Premiership yeah. given on the fact that he's had, he's had now several years of success in the Premiership um, being a key player in the heart of uh, Crystal Palace midfield. I know Scott Ar- Arfield has also been a key player but I think MacArthur's even got a higher profile than that. Yep. Um, does this give you the sense that Rangers are wanting to completely reconstruct that central midfield? Well, that's a big question. I mean, I must admit, when I saw Arfield and MacArthur uh, being kind of tentatively linked with the club, no, you do have to think, why are they they going after midfielders again? I mean, it seemed when they signed Graham Dorans, Ryan Jack, Greg Doherty on the last couple of windows, it seemed then that they were trying to transform the midfield, and that was going to be, I mean, those three players, if you like, Jack, Doherty and Dorans, no, many folk thought, right, that's going to be the new the new Rangers midfield. That's not even accounting for guys like Jason Holt, Andy Halliday, McCrory. Jordan Ross or Ross McCrory, uh, Sean Goss, if he's gonna be if he's gonna be around. So as much as I'm saying to you I think Arfield would be a terrific signing and he would be MacArthur the same, I'm kinda no, without wanting to put too much of a negative on it, I'm I'm struggling really to see where Rangers are going with us in terms of the recruitment. If they are going after more central midfield players, I would like to see more of a more of a plan, more of a a strategy, if you like, of of where they think the team needs strengthening. Because I think if you asked any Rangers fan just now, no, what position do you need to strengthen and who do you need to go and go and get? I don't think central midfield would be would be high on the, the priority list. I mean, I think it would be maybe a goalkeeper, definitely centre-halves, you know, two, three maybe, um, maybe another striker. Right, right back, maybe. I certainly cover for right back because if uh, if James Tavernier gets injured, then then I think they'd struggle in that, that department. So that's what surprises me. It seems slightly... I'm, I'm not... As I say, I'm not being critical for going after these players because they're, they're cracking players, and if they're available, of course you should be. Rangers should be interested, but I'm just surprised. It just seems a bit scattergun. 
the mm. age profile as well, because it goes against the, um, the the stated strategy of Mark Allen of bringing in younger players yep. that you can develop. But I suppose there is that sense that if you can get a Scott Arfield and a um, um, I've got I just had a mind um, uh, James MacArthur um, in there and get them in that engine room, then immediately you're better than the rest of the SPL and your SPFL and you're really putting yourself in a position where you've got a midfield you can confidently go yeah. up against Celtic and say, well, we don't have any worries about that, yeah. that area. But, but I think they thought that when they got Dorans and, and Jack in, uh, and then added Doherty in January, I think they thought, right, this is this is the way where midfield's going. I mean, I'd be amazed if a couple of months later, whether it be Mark Allen, Graham Murty or whoever, has suddenly decided, well, uh, Jack or Dorans or Doherty isn't he? Isn't he up to it? No, listen, I, I accept the fact, no, there are midfielders there like, no, Goss will probably go back to QPR. They're going to need to sort Pena's contract out whenever whenever he comes back for, or if he comes back from <laughs> Mexico. Um, that, I mean, that, that I know, Scott, you've been saying this since day one, and I, I uh, look back with uh, a slight uh, Ill, Ill ease and shame at <laughs> Uh, uh, the way I try to um, see the positives in Carlos Pena, but it really has now, it does have the look of one of the most disastrous yeah, signings in Rangers history. Because I this this is another th- two years this guy's yeah, got his contract th- after th- this one. I think it's fair to say Pena and Herrera have been two Rangers' worst ever signings. I mean, over the years, there's been a lot, No, when you think of... Some of the bad times that Rangers have had, some of the guys that have come in and made little to no, little to no impact. Um, but Pena and Herrera has been an absolute unmitigated disaster from from start to finish, and it's no, it's no finished yet because, as you say, they've still got they've still got a couple of years left in contracts. So they've got that to sort out. No, Goss could go back, as I say. I suppose no, Jordan Rossiter has barely kicked a ball. I mean, every Rangers fan is desperate to see him get fit and somehow get back in the team. I know he played in the reserves again yesterday. Played the 90 minutes. Yeah, but is he really, is that, is he going to come in and make an impact for the boys' sake? You, you would hope so, but you have to have, you have to have doubts given his, given his injury history now. And I suppose guys like Andy Halliday, Jason Holt, who I think have been excellent servants to Rangers in the last few years especially Still, Jason Holt mate that's yeah. something that I just think uh, is often missed uh, he's been a terrific performer for Rangers when he comes in people don't really notice what he's doing until he gets dropped despite yeah. the fact he's, he did pretty much nothing wrong to get dropped yeah. and then he comes back in and people say oh yeah Jason Holt's made yeah. a difference well, to, to get him for they go him for 65 grand do you know what I mean yeah you talk about Pena there, the amount of money that's been wasted on Pena between you know, a, a transfer fee and his wages. You think you know you pick up pick up a Jason Holt for sixty five grand and what, what he gives you in terms of endeavour and and effort and stuff like that compared to Pena. So no, as I say, I think Halliday and Holt have been great servants uh, for the last few years to Rangers and can still can still do a job in that squad, but. If you are talking about bringing Arfield, MacArthur, and you know, if Mark Allen is looking at midfield as an area where they have to strengthen, then I suppose you'd need to worry about, you know, I suppose guys like Halliday, Holt, Goss, Pena, Rossiter will probably be, th- be thinking, God, is there, going to be a, is there going to be a place for me here? 
In terms of defensive signing, Scott, is there anyone that stands out? I know we discussed young players in a previous podcast and you talked about Porteous at Hibs um, and we talked about the Suter brothers. Is there anyone that you think um, Rangers should be looking at now or you've heard anything about a, a central defender that Rangers might be interested in that could come in? Because it seems to have gone really quiet on on that defensive front. Yeah, no, I mean, I can't say I've heard heard any kind of rumours about who they're, who they're interested in, but as we said before, um, that defence badly needs strengthened. I mean, it's it's been so vulnerable this season. Um, Russell Martin surely is a no deal at the end of the season. If Rangers th- try and sign him, that would be yeah, I would think, unpopular. I would, I would think so. I would think so. And I think Bruno Alves, Bruno Alves and Fabio Cardozo, uh, there's still question marks as to whether they'll be there next season obviously David Bates is gone Danny Wilson went went before him so you're talking about you know, restructuring a, a midfield or rebuilding a midfield that it's the central defence um, two full backs I think are pretty sound Taverney and John at the minute you know, we all agree they're better going forward than they are defensively so maybe that's something Rangers should look at in terms of cover you know, maybe signing more defensive guys we don't know what's going to happen with Lee Wallace. He's current suspension, over a year left, a year left on his contract to go. But the central defence has to be has to be sorted out. And I think of all the areas, no, that's the one Mark Allen has to be looking at in terms of potential signings. Listen, we did speak about the young players. There are decent young centre halves out there. No, your Ryan Porteous, John and Harry Suter. But difficult to get these guys. No, these are young, up and coming centre backs who are with, no, are with decent clubs on contracts. Going to be tough, right? Rangers are going to need to, no, not pull a rabbit out the hat, but they're going to need to, no, do their scouting and recruitment properly and make sure they get the right, the right guys in because they, especially in that central defensive area, they can't afford any more, any more mistakes, especially costly big name mistakes do you think that the profile of someone like Bruno Alves although that deal um, from what it sounds like you're saying you don't think that deal's worked out I, I think he's been underrated personally but I can understand where you're coming from why you might think he would leave at the end of the season you think it's that kind of profile of an, an older centre half who's got the experience and who can be a leader in the team in essence, the idea about Bruno Alves was the right one. Yeah. It's just that maybe the player wasn't the correct fit. Yep, I think you definitely need at least one of them, Johnny. Yep. And that was the idea with Alves. We spoke about it before, about how he was going to come in and be the uh, be the leader at the back, you know, be the communicator, be the guy that you know, dragged people dragged people in around him. Um, I don't think... I, I agree. I think some of the criticism has been harsh on Bruno Alves because I don't think he's had too many bad games for Rangers I, th- I think arguably he has been their best centre half when, when he's played you'd struggle to name three mistakes yeah but, for example but but he's no whether whether we like it or not due to injury or being left out of the team or it just hasn't worked out he hasn't had a solid run of games he hasn't really had the opportunity to go and be that consistent leader um, so it hasn't worked out but it, de- it also depends what manager comes in because just for talking say I'm not saying it, it, it's going to happen but just for talking say if Walter Smith came back to manage Rangers 
I think Walter Smith would go in and right away say to Bruno Alves, you've got a year left of your contract, I want you here, I want this to be the best year of your career, you're going to be my leader, I want you to get a hold of these young boys. I think Smith would see something in Alves and really get the best out of him. No, a, a different manager might think might think differently and, and maybe go for somebody younger or you know, maybe go want a British player or whatever. So it depends what manager comes in. Um, a, a specific type of manager, I think, could get the best out of Alves. It hasn't happened this season and that's why I think it's... It remains uncertain whether he'll, whether he'll actually be there next season. Okay, we're going to move on to uh, a bit of a stooshy that uh, occurred on social media last night after Rangers released a statement saying it beggared belief that Hibs had uh, looked to cut the allocation for Rangers supporters uh, in the, what I think is the final SPFL fixture yep. of the season. Powder keg potentially, obviously, if Rangers and Hibs are still duking it out for second place. What's your uh, take on that? My take on it is that in terms of Hibs cutting the allocation, I don't think you can have too much complaints about that on its own because, listen, it's Hibs' last home game of the season. Um, they've had a phenomenal season, still could finish second and that this game could be pivotal in doing that. If they think they can fill the seats with more home fans, then that's their prerogative. I, mean, I don't think Rangers really have got a leg to stand on. I know there was a bit of a almost like a, you know, firing a, a shot across Hibs' bow, if you like, by saying, oh, well, no, we'll, we'll be thinking about our allocation to you when, when you come to Ibrooks. No, that, I don't think that really matters. Hibs have decided that they can sell more home tickets for this game so they can cut Rangers away allocation. I don't have a, a big problem with that. I don't think Rangers should have a major problem with that. Where the issue is, and it's what Rangers haven't really mentioned in the statement, is the the safety? That's issues. what I was going to suggest because, as you say, this is going to be a powder keg game. Right? Are, are the Rangers fans going to be below Hibs fans, or is it going to be the other way around? No, I think it's going to be halved. Right? Oh, it's going to be halved. Right, okay, so the fans, no, in both both decks, if you yeah. like, in the stand. Um, I mean, Hibs. I think cut Rangers allocation for uh, a game they played in the Championship, but they left the other side of the stand empty. Uh, empty and I assume they left that empty because they would have been worried about safety and, and security but that doesn't seem to be the case this time no Rangers and Hibs fans are going to be in very close proximity no doubt there'll be a kind of police cordon separating them but I don't know the ins and outs of Easter Road that well um, but I do know well you've got the right man on the podcast well, with you well that's it I do, well you'll be able to tell me uh, there's only one way into that stand behind the goal and I just I, I'm intrigued to know how the club and how the police are going to are going to deal with that getting Hibs and Rangers fans into that same stand I mean let's be honest since the, the cup final a couple of years ago there's no, it's fair to say there's been a lot of bad blood between Hibs and Rangers um, there's been other, other wee issues as well uh, aside for that, so I think it's safe to say that Hibs now are second to Celtic in the animosity stakes when yeah, it comes to Rangers fans. Yeah, maybe even taking over Aberdeen. Yeah, I, that, I think so. Genuinely think um, so. So that, that that's kind of you no know, bubbling under, if you like. And listen, we can only wait and see. You have to assume 
Hibs are going to kind of outline how how they're going to how they're going to deal with us. Um, but I, I think it's I think it could genuinely be a, a concern trying to get on the last day of the season with so much potentially at stake, a huge game. Uh, the history that we're talking about between the or the recent history between the two clubs, um, I think it's uh, I think it could be a wee bit risky trying to get trying to get both sets of supporters into that stand. I can realise that Hibs have the right to do it, but I can also see if you're a you know rank and file Rangers fan that goes to away games, it's on the supporters buses, that's gone to Hibs twice a season for however many seasons of the last twenty years, and has always been able to get a ticket then you might turn around and say, well, wait a minute, they were happy to take my money, you know, when these games didn't mean anything, but now that it's important, I'm of, getting... Yeah, of course, of course you feel aggrieved, but that's that's football. Yeah. Just, there's no much you can you can do about it. And that's why Rangers, the flip side is Rangers, it is Rangers' prerogative to do likewise to Hibs. I'm not sure exactly, I'm not sure what the, what the minimum allocation you have to give away fans, but if Rangers feel that strongly about it, they just give them the bare the bare minimum for that that corner uh, where the away fans are situated at Ibrooks. Um So it's up to each individual club for each individual game. And as I say, if Hibs feel, you know, they're on the crest of a wave at the minute. They obviously think they can sell more more home tickets. They want as many home fans and as little away fans in the stadium as possible for a game where you no know, Neil Lennon will want the fans to really get behind them uh, in that push for, for second place. So, as I say, I've no qualms with Hibs doing it. I just think it has to be, at some point, it has to be outlined exactly how they're going to how they're going to deal with it from a kind of safety point of view. Who, who's favourites, in your opinion? I would say Hibs are the favourites to finish second. Well, everyone talks about momentum, and I think they are the team with, with the momentum. Uh, absolutely flying. I mean, I was strong at, in midfield. So was, strong in midfield. I was at Easter Road on Saturday for the for the Celtic game and phenomenal performance. I mean, the the biggest. I said after it, the biggest compliment you could pay them is that as you were watching that game, you no, know, against the, the the champions elect, you no, know, you were you were waiting for a lull from Hibs. You know, you were just think they they can't keep this intensity and tempo up for ninety minutes. But that lull never came, no, until maybe the last couple of minutes after Celtic had scored. Mikey Stewart talked about this on uh, BBC, I thought it was really, really interesting. He said that you can keep that going the whole game, but the only way you can is if you get goals at the right time, so that as you're coming down on the crest of yeah, a wave, you, get, you get the goal, and that gives you the adrenaline boost. Yeah, no, that's true. That's and that's true. what happened. He said Hibs got the goals at exactly the right times in the game, which allowed, which sort of propelled them through in a wave. Yeah. And I never thought about that, but it probably does make yeah, sense no. even on a medical uh, I, I would, point I would of view. Agree, I would agree with that. But, but I think it is genuinely also down to... Down to their fitness, first of all, no, in terms of just getting about the pitch and being able to put Celtic under that pressure for for long spells, and also just it's, I think it's credit to to Neil Lennon. No, no matter what you what you might think of him, he gets players playing for him. You just get the impression that Hibs team would run through a brick wall for for Lennon. Uh, and in terms of his motivational skills as a manager, I think that says that says a lot. And they were, no, he asked them for a for a, a specific type of performance on Saturday that the only way he believed they could get the better of Celtic and they, they produced and, beg- and, and other teams should maybe should maybe take heed for that it beggars the question Scott why is his name not being mentioned for the Rangers job I know it's incredible <laughs> I can't believe he's not 
Can't believe he's not in the betting. <laughs> uh, nah, listen, in all seriousness, what a job he's done. Uh, and in terms of Rangers, I mean, although I'm, I'm kind of joking about it there, no, Hibs went with a 3 5 2. Uh, I messaged you on, on Saturday to say, no, oh, this, this could be the way for Rangers. I've mentioned 3 5 2 before in terms of trying to deal with Celtic. Um, and Hibs played it to a played it to a tee on Saturday, and Celtic couldn't couldn't live with it. And you went from watching, you no, know, Scott Brown's going to be the Player of the Year in Scotland this year. I'm convinced of that. You no, know, you you go from watching him in that semi final against Rangers, absolutely bossing it, getting it all his own way, completely dominant, so much time and space in the ball. And yet on Saturday, uh, no, I wouldn't say he struggled. He, he didn't play that that badly. But Swanson was on top of him. Unbelievably, I mean, credit to Danny Swanson actually because obviously Scott Allen was was missing. Neil Lennon brings Danny Swanson in to play that role, and Danny Swanson is known for being for his creativity and his kind of inventiveness and stuff, and you know, being a guy that goes and creates. But uh, he did a terrific job sitting on Scott Brown and not letting him play harrying and hassling uh, in that area of the pitch. And Brown just did, didn't get it all his own way on Saturday, and that, that was partly the reason why, why Hibs get the win. Do Rangers have someone within the team that could do that? Is, is Jason Holt the answer to that question? Potentially. He's, in terms of raw energy, um, he'd be the one. You would worry about Holt in a physical sense. I think Brown would still have a, a, a clear advantage over him in that regard. Um, and that's where... No, you would maybe look at a Dorans or a Docker. He might be able to do it better if you're looking at sheer physicality. But I don't fancy Docker to have the tactical discipline at this stage in may, his career to do that. Maybe not. Uh, certainly, Holt, as I say, in terms of energy and just no getting in about Scott Brown's ankles and no giving him a minute to play. I think if Jason Holt was given that specific role, then he could uh, he could carry it out and, and could do a job for Rangers. Is that uh, the way that you would advocate setting up for Murty now as well, a 3-5-2 in this game on Sunday? Ago, I just think he's tried pretty much everything else. No, start of the season, Rangers had 4-4-2 under Cachina. He tinkered with it slightly. Mur- uh, Graham Murty's brought them back to the 4-2-3-1. Clearly, it hasn't really worked. certainly didn't work um, at Hamden. Um, that was more of a kind of... A four three three, if you like. Um, I said uh, why I thought three five two would be good. Um, I thought you could play the two experienced centre backs with McCrory beside them, offering cover and a and a bit of pace. It gets you your two full backs up the pitch, which is where they're most dangerous. It gives you a solid three in midfield if that's the way you want to go. And it allows you to two strikers. Now, I understand certain people would need to be sacrificed. Daniel Candias had a terrific game against Hearts uh, last week. There's no doubt about that. He would probably need to be left out. Um, although, I had a conversation with somebody the other day, and we were talking about the 3-5-2 and how Rangers could work it, and no, they were saying, you, no, you have to... Candias is in such good form. After a Hearts game, you need to keep him in the team. So is there an argument... Could they go with Candias at right wing back and play James Taverney as right sided centre back? I think that's possible. I've heard someone uh, argue that, that Tavernier that could be his actual his best position because yep. he's got the pace and the power. Yep. Having watched him for the last three years, 
my worry with that with regards to Tavernier is the big weakness in his game and I, I do really rate him as a player but the big weakness in his game is having that defensive sense of danger yeah and that's where I'd be really concerned is that he would, you know, his positioning, his movement forward yeah. would leave big gaps because he just doesn't have that natural sense that that the great defenders have, yeah. that the Davy Weirs of this world have, where yeah. they just snuff out danger. Yeah. And no, that's where I'd worry about him in that position. I tend to agree with that. I just, but it's but it's an option. If, if you were desperate to get Kandias into the team, it's something that you could look at. Personally, as I say, I would leave Kandias out. Yeah. Uh, I would go with a kind of solid three in midfield if I could with someone deployed to to hassle and Harry Scott Brown and not let them dictate the tempo. And the, the other advantage is it gets you two up front. Uh, now people would say Morelos and Cummings obviously they've not had a great chance. Uh, they've not much of a chance to to play together. I agree with that. I'd like to see them play together more. Whether away to Celtic. No, Parkhead is the game to go and try that with the two of them right up front I'm not sure I've spoken before about playing one up top with, with Jamie Murphy just off because I think Murphy's proved to be Rangers most dangerous player even against uh, even against Hearts last weekend I know Kandias got a lot of the plaudits but Murphy was excellent again and I think actually giving Murphy even more freedom than he gets just now you know, on the left wing giving him more freedom just to play off the front where he can drift left, drift right. He does a shift for you as well if you need him to need him to work back. I'd like to see them try something different. Listen, we've said before, it's ten games now without beating Celtic. They've they've pretty much tried everything, so why not try something something different? Jason Cummins for me should start this game because I think he's a lad that's done pretty well in limited game time and I think he deserves an opportunity. Morelos Looks like a guy who has a lot in his mind, uh, is maybe struggling with the effects of constant football, and he's only 21, and I think we often forget that when we are analysing the strengths and weaknesses of his play. I find it unbelievable that he's been so um, sidelined in the discussion about young player of the year yeah. uh, in Scotland. I just, I, I don't get it. If I do feel that genuinely if he was at a club where there was less of a spotlight on him yeah. see if he'd performed the way he has at a Hibs or a yeah. Kilmarnock yeah, they would absolutely 100% be in the discussion I, I, I really think there's a, there's a strange attitude towards that young man in Scotland I do think it's time though for him to be given a wee rest on the sidelines It's a big call for Murphy because I agree Jason Cummings hasn't had much of a chance and has probably deserved better and I think when he has played he has performed uh, you think he's goals, he's hat trick against Falkirk. You think he's uh, finish against their United, which not one of the best finishes of the season. Deft. Really. That was incredible. Um, so he does deserve a chance, and I think um, Cummings has got that kind of cockiness, that arrogance, if you like, that he would quite relish going to Celtic Park and you know, trying to trying to get a goal. Where? Where you would miss Morelos, though, is Celtic are going to have a lot of the ball, you would imagine. And I think Morelos actually does a good job physically against that Celtic backline. Um, and Cummings maybe maybe doesn't have that yet. You know, might, might never have it. Um, so Morelos does does give you something. I think Morelos has upset Celtic's backlines, uh, backline at times this season yeah. in the Old Firm game. So that's what you would miss. 
So it is a big call for Murty, but, but I tend to agree with you. I think Cummings deserves his chance. It's the last old firm game of the season. I mean, he didn't, I think he didn't even get off the bench in the semi-final against Hamden. Um, he played well against Hearts last week, scored one, should have scored two, but at least got himself into the into the position to get or positions to get a couple of goals. I think Murty might might just go with Cummings this Sunday. Uh, Take, take a chance on him and hope that he's the kind of, no, as I say, that kind of gallus streak p- pays off and he, and he gets a goal. Just before we go, Scott, we touched on the defence when we were talking about who would be brought in. And for this game, it's going to be essential that Rangers are keeping it tight at the back. Do you think Bruno Alves will be back? Uh, do you think he'll play? Or do you think Murty persists with a player in Russell Martin who has had a disastrous spell? I think if Alves is fit, he should play. Obviously, he's missed the last uh, he's missed the last uh, the last game, so we need to wait and see. We need to wait and get an update on his fitness. Has that been confirmed? It was an injury. Oh yeah, I think he was injured. Yeah, yeah. I think he was injured for the Hearts game. So I think if he's back fit, he should play. We spoke about all the reasons why uh, post post semi final. Um, if he doesn't play, it's a problem for Rangers because. You literally then do just have to go with Martin and McCrory again as that kind of back two centrally. And we, we saw what Dumbelli did to, did to both of them at Hamden. Uh, Brendan Rodgers expects Dumbelli to be back fit for the weekend. So that's that could be a big problem for Rangers. And that's why I say if Alves is fit, I'm convinced that he would, he would play some part in the game, whether it's a back three or a, or a back two. I think he has to has to play. What's your prediction for the game? You think it's a, another comfortable Celtic victory? I think Celtic will win. If I'm being honest, yeah, they're going for the title. There'll be huge motivation to do it against Rangers um, with that crowd behind them after kind of you know, falling flat in their faces at, at Easter Road on Saturday. Um, yeah, after the the semi final. I mean, if Celtic produce. Kind of half of that performance that they did in the semi final, they'll probably still be too strong for Rangers. No, funnily enough, no, the last couple of old firm games at Celtic Park, Rangers have, have played well in uh, and they've coped pretty well, they've looked decent in the counter attack. Um, the 0 0 game, they probably should have they probably should have won it. So I definitely expect a different and a better Rangers performance compared to the semi final, but even then, uh, I don't think it will be. I don't think it will be good enough. So I say Celtic going going for the title, desperate to do it against Rangers. I expect maybe a a two 0 or a three one something like that. Two bits of positive news for me for Rangers fans. The first one is that um, they cannot play worse than they played in the semi final. It's, yeah. it's impossible. Yeah. So they will they will do better. And second, I agree that Celtic will win comfortably, which means that Rangers fans should be happy because. If we're both saying that, that that Celtic will win, it's probably going to be a Rangers victory. Because exactly. With our luck at the bookies <coughs> recently. Exactly. Um, 1-0 Rangers. Yeah, 1-0 Rangers. But um, I think if they can keep it tight, if they can find a way to get in Celtic's faces and stop Scott Brown playing, I know it, it seems like an unsolvable Rubik's yeah. cube of a, a problem for, for uh, Rangers managers recently, but if they can shut off his supply line, then they've got a better chance. Uh, But anyway, we'll call it a day there. Um, That's all from us. 
We'll be back next midweek with more news and analysis of all things Rangers. If you want to get in touch, and please do with questions, and we'll we'll, we'll stick them in the podcast next week. Uh, you can to continue the debate. I'm on Twitter at Johnny R McFarlane, and Scott is at Scott McDermott Eight. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or our new provider, Acast, to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening. Hanging on the edge of the wild Hanging on the edge of desire